RP3 is ready to step his game up and grab the mic for the latest edition of the Rap Game Podcast. Here is Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. For many individuals, it takes sometimes a lifetime to discover, to find out what their true calling is, what they're meant to do on this earth. Our next guest, he knew at a very early age what he was meant to do, what he was supposed to do. He began his coaching career actually while he was still in high school when he was coaching junior high, middle school students. He got an opportunity to become a head coach at a very early age when most are still trying to figure out what to do with their lives, and he's never looked back as he's led the St. Thomas More Cougar Boys Basketball Program to unprecedented heights. What has he accomplished in 38 full seasons at the helm of the Cougars program? Well, he's won 1,053 games, which, by the way, is the 10th most in United States boys basketball history. He's taken the Cougars to the Final Four 16 times, and he's won six state championships, including four in a row. It's a privilege to welcome to the Rap Game Podcast my good friend, the STM coach, the legend, the one and only Danny Broussard. Coach, good day to you, sir. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, RP3. How about you, my man? I'm doing great, my friend. I'm doing great. So let me ask you this. You know, I, I just read off all the accomplishments, and, and, and you've done it all. Uh, in multiple yeah. state championships, you've won them back-to-back. You're top 10 in wins. You, you've established yourself as one of the greatest coaches in the state's history. What drives you? What drives Danny Broussard to continue waking up every day and doing whatever he can to be a great basketball coach? And I mean that more than just what you do on the court with the kids. Well, it's a great question, uh, RP. Uh, you know, it, it, it always, like, I mean, it, you kind of stated earlier when you said, you know, I coached a 4 H team when I was at Moe. So it's it, it just it's just my passion. It's what I've done. It's, it's kind of the only thing I know how to do. Somebody said, you know, what would you do if you weren't, if you weren't a basketball coach? And that, that, that's a question I really can't answer. I, you know, everybody said, oh, you, you know, you'd be great at sales, you know, selling insurance. Or, and, and, I, and I might, but, I, you know, I just don't think I'd be really happy doing that. You know, it's just it's just what I do. And, you know, it's kind of when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, man, I get paid to do this. And it really is. It really is incredible, and it's just what I what I like doing. And um, you know, I, I think I think one of the things when when you're in uh, this business, you know, I see a kid for four years basically. You know, from the time he gets a and I say that I mean, you know, I mean I see kids at six, seven, eight, but I'm just saying they come into my system as a freshman, and I really don't I really don't have a ton of hands on as a freshman. You know, I go to a couple of practices here and there. I I, I talk to them a little bit. I go to watch almost all their games, but but it's not like I'm you know really in, in charge of those guys. Like we got down freshman coach, so really I get them for three years, and then you know then then it restocks and I get a whole new bunch. And 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 added to that, you know, I don't know exactly, but I, I think I'm on my eighth, uh, eight to nine, maybe even ten different assistant coaches. Uh, you know, that's not just not you know like you got about two or three at a time and, and kind of you know rotated and revolves. And so I think the combination of the kids and even different coaches coming in has kind of – it just kind of keeps me going, keeps me youthful and, you know, keeps me wanting to teach and to coach and to and – to, um, and, and, and I think you kind of mentioned it, uh, RP3. The, the thing about me is, you know, I, I always say this, and, and, and you know, I, I don't just say it. I preach it, it. You know, it's more than the game of basketball. That's what we are for. And there's so much going on in this world today that, you know, I think – Maybe, you know, being with them daily, almost as much as their parents are, I think that you do have a chance to make a difference in these kids' lives, you know. And so, you know, they, sometimes they call me the preacher because I, I go on a practice and I'll preach for 30 minutes. They just stand around and my sister coaches are like, you know, look at him going off again. But, you know, and it could be anything from leaving trash in the dressing room on the bus to, to you know, not, not, not uh, you know, doing something at a, at a hotel that wasn't appropriate or wasn't being polite. You know, I just try to take things like that and say, hey, it's a life skill. It's a life lesson. Let's learn. We all make mistakes, and let's learn from those things. And I think a combination of all that stuff uh, has just kept me, you know, involved and interested and want to make a difference. Has it become more of a challenge to coach the yes. youth today yes. than it was yes. 38 years ago when you first started? Yes, 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 yes. It's definitely more challenging RP, I say this all the time. Uh, uh, I, I, you know, parents are different, man. Parents are different. Uh, they, I give this example. I won't say any names, and 
the kid wound up not even playing after his sophomore year. But, but uh, you know, I think back when I was a kid and my parents saw how supposed they were. I had a parent one time call me and say, we're going to this tournament out, out of state. They called me and said, is my son going to play? It's right at the beginning of the school year. I mean, it's like the beginning. It's like a Thanksgiving tournament. And I'm like, uh, well, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. What do you, I don't know if they're going to play or not. Well, what do you, you know, why are you asking that? Well, you know, it's kind of far to go if they don't play. And so my words <laughs> to her were, well, it's probably best you just stay home this weekend. Cause, <laughs> you know, I, I have no idea. So, you know, that people wouldn't ask that question back in the day. They, you know, your mom and dad, my mom and dad would go to support the team, whether I played or not. You know, it's not the best all the time. They were going to cheer on the team, you know, and, and in the chance that I did get in to support me. But, you know, today it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's they look too too much at their kid and not the whole thing, you know, and that's that's the only thing that, I, that, um, that you know, I've had any issues with is that I try to tell them, hey, man, I'm looking at, you know, 24 guys in a program and I'm doing what's best for those 24. And sometimes your kid... You know, it, it's not, you know, it, I'm doing what's in his best interest, but for you it's not, you know. And so I think they have a hard time sometimes uh, understanding and realizing that, man, we have a program to run and we got to do what's best for everybody, you know, and not just one kid. And I'm not looking at that one kid, you know, I'm looking at everybody. So that's to me the biggest change. I, it's not as much in the kids, but then again, you know, the kids, kids reflection of the parents, they go home and hear stuff and they come back and, you know, so you got to try to mold that, you know. And um, I think one of the things I'm the most proud of, uh, RP3 is that if you look at that, I think it's a microcosm of this year's team. I mean, I had two great players, and I'm talking about, you know, special kids. Everybody knows Jaden Shelvin and, and uh, Carter Doman. We all know. But but I think it's the special. They were special in the fact that, the, you know, they always put the team first. They, they, they weren't about themselves. They were about the team and winning, and that's why we won four in a row because of the attitude those two kids took on, and it carried over to the whole team. And so – I think we've been really pretty good about whether I had superstars or not on our team. I think we've convinced kids that, hey, look, you know, it's a team game. And, uh, you know, are we going to ask you to do, you know, sometimes, sometimes, yeah, it is going to be scored 25 points, but sometimes it's to get 10 rebounds and three assists and, uh, you know, take a charge and those sort of things. So, you know, it's more than just points and stuff for us. It's about, you know, teamwork. And I think that's one of the things I'm the proudest of is I think in our in the 38 years, we've been pretty consistent about putting out teams that, you know, have sacrificed and players that have done, uh, you know, what they the best they can to make us a better team. How much does it help to have the culture that you guys have at the school overall? Because yeah, a lot of your guys that are great players for you and, and do a lot of the dirty work also play other sports there at the school. And we live in an era now where everything's so specialized, right? You have one guy, and that's all he does. He'll play the one sport, or she'll play the one sport, and that's it. That's not really the case over there at STM. How much does that help when you have a, a culture there where the kids want to play multiple sports and it's and it's just not about the one sport that they love the most? Yeah, I think that's what makes us a little bit special uh, in the fact that, you know, uh, you go in our gym and, and you see banners for – for every every sport, RP3 is not just you know basketball, football. It's it's everything. We've we've excelled at everything, and so yeah, I think a kid comes in STM knows that man. If I'm gonna you know you, first of all they they're gonna know we have to put in some. It's work. It's it's a lot of extra work. You know we're demanding. We're, we all are demanding. You know, but uh, I think you know a perfect example is this year when I went to Coach Hightower. You know, and Jim and I have been together for a long time, and I think we kind of had developed a special relationship. You know, in the fact that we you know we're getting up in age. And we've seen a lot of stuff, you know, and I think when I went to him and I said, Coach, uh, you know, look, I'm looking at Carter Domain and what's best for him. And so I want you to look at that aspect of it. And, uh, you know, I told him that he had a chance to play Division One basketball, and he, I know he was helping with football, but would there be a chance that he could play at the same exact time, do both? And, you know, and, and you know, Jim and his wisdom said, well, tell me what, you know, he kind of has a little twang. Well, tell me exactly what you mean. You know, what are you asking for? You know, and so when I told him, Look, Jim, maybe, you know, one practice a week, if maybe after your Thursday walk around. I know it's a light one for y'all. Maybe you could come in the gym, get a couple of, you know, get a practice in, you know, and stuff like that. And I think, you know, his concern was, well, yeah, just, you know, be careful. I don't want to sprain an ankle. And I said, Coach, I've been, I've been waiting for that for 38 years. I mean, you, you finally got the, the, the shoe on your foot. I, I've been hoping no guys get hurt in football for the last 38 when they come to me. They kind of chuckled, you know. <laughs> But, it, but it, again, he agreed, you know, and so we, we did what's best for the kid, you know, and that's what Carter, and I, RP3, I think he's the only, I mean, I don't know if any other kid in the state of Louisiana that played a Thursday basketball game in the Centerville tournament. 
a Friday football game, a playoff Friday football game, where he catches a touchdown. He plays in a Saturday game against St. Martin on the finals of the Centerville, scores, uh, I think, 18 points, MVP of the tournament. You know, what other kid in Louisiana has done that, or, or, or any state for that matter? He may be the only kid in the country that did that. You know, and so, but, but it was because of high and eyes consideration of what's best for that kid. And I think that's what we do at SPM. You know, we take on an individual basis and we, you know, again, it, it was kind of unprecedented. And, you know, again, COVID had an effect on that because, you know, the reason why I went to him, I, wouldn't, I wasn't getting him until January, you know, 1st or December 27th, you know, the, the last day of the, of the football game. And so that kind of had, an, uh, you know, something to do with this as well. But like I said, when all things were settled and the, and the dust settled, you know, when we did what we thought was best for Carter Doman, you know, and not, not, you know, and, and kind of sacrificed a little bit on each end, you know. So it, it worked out great for, for Carter for sure, you know. Let's go all the way back. Tell me the moment, if you can remember when it was, or maybe it was a player or a game that you fell in love with the game of basketball that it just kind of crystallized for you, Coach. Oh, I think it's watching my brothers play, you know, when they were, we were at a little small school in Mo you know, classy, and all we did was play basketball. Well, we did track a little bit, and we actually had, I had baseball. We had baseball. But I think, you know, going to these playoff games, and I can remember, you know, Pac gym, we couldn't play at Mo because the gym was so small. So we go to Abbeville High for a playoff game, and I, I just remember, man, the gym was packed. These little small schools, that's all they, you know, they lived and died for basketball. And, and I just saw the, the enthusiasm of the coaches, the players, the fans even. And, I, again, I was – you know, a little fan at that time. I was, you know, eight years old watching him play. And so I think way back then it's something that, you know, kind of kind of burned inside of me saying like, man, you know, when I get to that, I want to I want to I want to be in that kind of situation, in that environment, you know. And so and, and again, you know, my dad was uh, man, my dad worked really, really hard. Um, RP3, I'm not sure you've ever heard the story, but, you know, he was a carpenter and a farmer. So he, he worked for J.B. Mucho and Sons here in Lafayette uh, for 40 years. And, and so but when but when he got back home, you know, he just didn't sit on the couch. He 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 get a, I never forget this. He get a cup. He always had a routine. He get a cup of coffee for my mom. She'd have a cup of coffee ready for him at five. He'd get the coffee and then he'd take his shovel, put it on his back, and then walk to the fields to get ready to plant rice. And he was a rice farmer. And I, and I always asked, I said, "Well, Dad, why? You know, what, what, why do you do the rice, son?" He said, "I didn't get an education. I stopped in the third grade." He said, "I want you three guys to have a to get a college degree, and so that's why I'm doing this extra job to make sure I got enough money." to send you guys to college, you know. And so, you know, he instilled that on us early about the work ethic, you know, and I, I really have gotten that. And my mom, my mom, she was a housewife, but she was a hardworking housewife, you know. That house was spotless, man, you know. And, and you, you you wouldn't have a thing out of place in that house I lived in, you know. And you better make sure you do your bed, too. So, But I was spoiled in some ways. But anyway, so, you know, all that kind of is kind of how I, how I developed and got started and had my mind thinking that, you know, and look, this is funny, but I, both my brothers, Brent and Ricky, tried to talk me out of coaching. And my first year at USL, the council ball, I went to this council, I forgot her name, uh, Mrs. Strop, maybe, and she, she helped me through. And uh, finally, after my freshman year, she brought me in and she goes, okay, Danny, you have taken every general course you can take, math, science, English, history, you've you got to decide what you're going to do. And I knew all along, but they kept telling me, don't be a, don't be a coach. And so I'm thinking, man, what, you know? And finally, I mean, like, it's seriously, like I took this interest test, Oh, yeah, you know, you got to be around people. And I'm like, yeah, I know that, and whatever. So I just started talking to her, I want to get, I'm getting an education, I want to be a coach. And so that sophomore year, I enrolled and I started taking uh, uh, education courses and, you know, got a minor in mathematics, a major in Pete. And I even actually got driver's ed because I was looking for a couple of hours to fill in, took some driver's ed courses to, to, to teach driver's ed. But, uh, you know, so. Yeah, it's, it's just weird how it worked out, and I really always wanted to know it. I did try to talk about it, but I said, no, that's what I want to do for my, for my, for my career. And, you know, man, I'm, I'm sure glad I picked that because that's, that's really what, what, you know, what I enjoy doing. When you got into coaching, you're coaching underneath your brother, who, yeah. if I remember right, he actually coached you on your high school team, right? Is that correct? Uh, he coached me at Mo. He coached me in both my freshman and sophomore years. That's correct. That's about two years. Then he, then he took the Fatima job. Well, this is interesting. A lot of people don't know this. He took the Welsh job. He was going to go to Welsh with the old legendary Dutton Wall and hired him as the AD. Dutton was the football coach. I actually helped him move. Got the truck. Helped him move. We got to Welsh. And a week later, he goes, hey, I need some help moving. I'm like, what you got left to bring? He goes, no. I'm moving back to Latham. I'm like, what? <laughs> You've been there for a week. He goes, man, Saturday made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I'm, 
I'm leaving the Welsh. So that was a, the shortest coaching stint of any coach probably in the history of high school sports. He went one week in Welsh. <laughs> so, so he moved. And back. you and you had to help yeah. him move again. Yeah, right, right. I, I sure did. I helped him move twice. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, and so yeah, so you know, then he went to five, and then he, you know, he came to SM, and I got so he coached me my freshman sophomore years, and I got a chance to work with him for that one that one year. You know, never, never, never in my wildest dreams while I'm at that practice my first year at SM, thinking, well, I'm going to be the head coach next. Year. I mean, it, it never entered my mind because. You know, I mean, Ricky was a successful coach. You know, I mean, and, and you know, this is this is pretty interesting. But someone did ask me this. Said, "Hey, suppose your brother Ricky would have never left. Suppose he's still right now, the head coach at STM. Where do you think? Where do you think you're at?" I said, "Man, I might be his assistant for, for, for sorry, You know, that happens sometimes. You know, I, I mean, I probably would have been happy just being his assistant. I might, I might have just stayed here and been an assistant. I, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I, I would think I'd probably had some, uh, some offers or something, but." Who knows, man? I could have, you know, well been the assistant coach at SM for, for almost 40 years. I just, I, it's hard to answer that question, but, you know, it's just funny how it worked out. You know, when I think about that, you have the opportunity, you've told this story, you know, your yeah. brother leaves and all of a sudden they just kind of turn to you and he recommended you. But walk me back. I mean, did you feel like you were ready for that moment? Did you feel like you were ready to be a head coach? Because you were young. You were what, what, 22, 23 years old? 22, yeah. I, yeah, I graduated, I graduated from at 17. I was 22 years old, yeah. No, well, I, I take it back. I was 22 when I got it. So I just turned 23. Uh, no, no, Raymond, to be totally honest with you, no. I, as a matter of fact, when, when, Ricky, <laughs> when Ricky told me he was going to USL, I mean, it's him and I in the room, and I'm, I'm like, well, well who's – I'm, I'm serious as could be. I, asked, I said, well, who's going to – and I'm the I'm – the, I'm, I got an assistant. We have a guy named John Precious who's like under me, right? And I'm like, well, who's going to be the head coach? And he, he turns around in the room looking around the room. He goes, you are. I never forget this as long as I live. And, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm thinking to myself, man, I am not. You know, it's one thing to be the assistant. It's one thing to watch practices. But now to have to make the calls and, you know, and run the practices yourself and, and you know, organize everything. I'm like, and, and I look, I want people to know this. I've said this to many, many people, and it's not a secret. I am probably the most unorganized, successful coach in America. It's just not, I'm not good at organization. It's just, I just, I'm one of those last minute guys. I just find ways to get it done. I, when, you know, when, when I had a paper in college to do, you know, uh, it would probably took 20 hours to do. I did it 20 hours through four times, didn't sleep that night and turned it in the next day. And, and I've always been that way, RP. I'm just not an organized individual, but I just, some kind of way, I just, you know, I get it done. I just find a way to get it done. And so, uh, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I was not organized. I, I really struggled that first year. Uh, luckily I had, you know, some really good players, uh, that, that, you know, probably really saved my job, you know, and, and then that I really, I really was in above my head. And then, but you know, Ricky was always on the phone. I was, I was, you know, constantly with him and he would just tell me, nah, just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing it all right. And, um, you know, and I can kind of survive. I kind of was kind of in a survival mode the first year, like you just talked about. You know, I, I to this day, I always thank Jake Molly, who's my AD. And that first year, I, I coached freshman football, basketball, and baseball. I did everything he asked me to do. And I think he, you know, he saw that, that, hey, this guy's willing to work. And, you know, he went to my principal and said, hey, look, you know, I get it. He's young, but I really feel like he can, you know, he could do the job if we, you know, give him the opportunity. Look what he did this year. He did okay. You know, we, we, won, we won pretty good, but we lost our first playoff game. And then, uh, so, you know, I thought my days were numbered and I was just going to go back to being an assistant. But, again, Jake believed in it. And, you know, they never did any interview, RP, that, that job. Uh, nobody interviewed. They, they just, he just gave it to me, you know, put their contract in my box. I'm like, damn, I'm not even, I didn't bring anybody to interview. So, you know, I think that was a chance the principal took and, and Jake Byler, you know, again, I'm always going to be grateful to those two guys, to Brother George, to, to give me the opportunity, you know. So, uh, and it worked out, you know, again, I got lucky and, and uh, it worked out way better than I anticipated, that's for sure. You know, you win the first state championship there in 1986. Did you know before the start of that season that you had what it took, that you had a team that was going to be good enough to end the season uh, hoisting a trophy? Um, about about right before Christmas time, we had a meeting. Uh, we were, we were um, five and seven. We were five and seven. Had a team meeting, let, let it air out. They 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 told me things that, that hurt my feelings. Uh, I was a young guy. I think I might have broke down and cried in that dressing room. 
I think some of the players cried. And we're like, we knew we were better than that, but we just weren't putting it together. We went on a, uh, we went with the five and seven, and we wanted the year, we went, we went, we were 25 and nine. We, we, we didn't have a great, great record, but boy, did we ever turn it on from district on. And, uh, yeah, to say that, that was the last thing I mind that we could ever win a state championship that year. Now, you know, we did have a lot coming back, and I really felt good about this next year's team because we had a lot coming back from that team. We only lost two guys, and uh, that's, you know, when I had Delisle and Eric Mouton bunch we had. And, uh, you know, we, we, we were 30, we wound up 38 and two that year. And, Really, really should have won back-to-back state titles. It was, uh, you know, it's something I'll never forget because it was tough. You know, it's one of those games that, uh, you know, you had a tough call at the end of the game that uh, that really cost us. You know, and we we had a missed layup that could have maybe put the game away, put us with a seven-point lead, and we missed an uncontested layup. Those things happen, you know. But uh, you know, that, that was a tough one because, man, back-to-back. You know, at, at my age, you, know, you can say, oh, yeah, best way, you got lucky, you win one, boy. But we really thought we had back-to-back state titles. You know. And um, kind of had it taken away from us a little bit, and that's always going to leave a bad taste in my mouth. But you know, you got, you got to move on, and, and we moved on from there. But uh, yeah, so you know, it just kind of happened so fast. RP three, I just you know, it's kind of like you know, when I won the first one, I'm like, you know, and I knew I had a good thing going back, and I had a chance to win too. I'm thinking, man, this is this is not that not that hard. You know, it's going to be it's going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> and we go from '86 the state championship to 2000. And, 2013 to get another one, you know. So uh, it took a while, and then now, you know, things have been been going pretty nice for us, you know. But it, it did take a while to get the second one, you know. So uh, yeah, I certainly didn't expect the first one, and 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 then after that, I expected others to be a little bit easier, and it wasn't. So yeah, no, sure didn't sure didn't predict any any of this uh, that happened to us. During your career, which is now spans almost 40 years, just a few years short of 40 years, you've coached up against some of the greatest basketball minds in the state, Charles Smith at Peabody and others. Who are some of the highlights? Who are some of the coaches that you've always enjoyed kind of tangling with? Like you go up and you know, you, you look on the schedule, and I know you're not supposed to. I know you tell the kids, no, we don't circle any teams on here. But you personally go, that's a guy that I love to coach against. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you say that because when I was a young coach, I kind of got intimidated a little bit looking across. You know, it's kind of the old story about Bobby Knight and Dale Brown. You know, I, I kind of got intimidated looking across and saying, man, and, 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 and I, RP3, I do want to mention this too, how the game has really changed. You talk about the game changing coaching-wise. Look, I'll be honest with you. Early on, you know, I coached. I, I thought we won some games that we shouldn't have because I, I, I coached against a lot of what I call, and, and this is not, no offense to the football coaches, but it, it is what it was back in the day, 1980s. A lot of programs just filled a spot, and they just said, "Hey, you're going to coach basketball." And he was a he was a football-minded coach. He, his passion was football, but I think he was kind of forced, so to speak, to coach basketball. And and I lo- I thrived against those guys because I knew I'd always had a chance because you could tell during the game then we we warm up and these guys were so athletic. I'm like, oh my god, this might get ugly. And all of a sudden, we kind of hang in there with them, and you know, we're pulling it out at the end. We run special plays, and they, they had no answer for that, you know. So. But to, answer, to go back to answer your question, yeah, man, I mean, I, and that's kind of what drove me to say, man, I better get good at this because these guys across me, you know, I never forget coaching against, you know, Billy Fitzgerald at, at Newman High School when he had Randy Livingston. You know, that was that was intimidating. Uh, one of my friends that we, we stay in touch with, as a matter of fact, he can't give a little clinic for me a year ago during COVID, uh, Jimmy Tillett. I think he's one of the greatest coaches to ever coach in Louisiana. Uh, and he was at, you know, at De La Salle back in the day and, I remember playing against him and saying, man, this guy just, he's just a, a level above me. You know, he's just, he's just out there. And, uh, uh, and you go to New Orleans, I, I, for some reason, it's just, I, I guess, I don't know, maybe because of the nature of New Orleans that it is, but, but there's been a lot of great coaches. And so while I'm on that, 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 that area there, uh, Chris Jennings at Jesuit does a tremendous job. You know, it's crazy. You look at Chris Jennings, I, I think I'm right when I say he's only won one state championship. But, man, that guy has had, you know, he's, he's a good, really, really good coach, you know. Uh, and, and so to compete against him is, is good. And then one of my closest friends is a guy named Mike McGuire at Country Day. And you always know when you're going to coach again. I mean, we beat him by two or three this past year. You know, it was one of the toughest games we had. And, and he really, it really wasn't one of his better teams. And that's the kind of – it's one of our better teams. And, and took everything I had to beat him, you know. And that, that's just kind of the, the kind of coach he is. So, you know, those, those are – the, those New Orleans guys are a few that come to my mind, you know, real quick. And then, uh, I really do respect, and I think you might see him 
I think we're going to have a tough time beating him this year, and that's Errol Goff. Again, you know, it's kind of funny how we've, we've kind of become, you know, real close friends, but I think Errol Goff at Archbishop Hannon uh, is going to have a really, really good team from what I've seen this summer. He's got a really good team. He's a really good coach. So, uh, you know, when you've got a good team and a good coach, it's a tough combination, but uh, he comes to mind as well. And I, 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 I'm excited I'm to answer that question because I know, when I, I know when we finish this interview, I'm going to be like, man, why didn't I say, you know, there's, there's great guys here locally, you know, as well. And, and it's just, uh, you know, it's one of those things that I could probably name a hundred of them, uh, RP3. But since you put them on the spot, those are the kind of the guys. My, the, the New Orleans guys, but just like I said, for some reason, are just, you know, I, they, I just respect them a lot. And they've, I've had to coach against them. And I know going in, like you said, you know, going in, man, you better be at your A game because, you know, if you make some mistakes, they're, they're going to capitalize if you, if you don't do the right things, you know. Toughest place you've ever taken your team to and had to play a game in? Toughest place, shoot, I'm not going to have to go far. I'll name you three. Went back in the days with the, the Cecilia. Cecilia and St. Martinville, I always thought, are the toughest places to play. And, look, I'll be honest with you, for whatever crazy reason, north side, I guess it's a north side, south side kind of, you know, thing about, you know, it, we always struck. We, I mean, man, when I had Trey Touche, we had a hard time winning. With, with, with Carter and Jane, I had a hard time winning at north side. It's, Always been a tough, tough place for us. And uh, I thought that one of the greatest games ever in my mind and one of those places was we went to Washita. And uh, I'm not sure any of your listeners that have heard this. It's going to take us a couple minutes, but I think this is worth the, this is worth the, uh, the story. There was a couple of storylines with the Washita. They were the number one ranked team. They had won 32 games in a row. They called it the Madhouse uh, at Washita. And, uh, and so we're scheduled to play them on a Tuesday night. So I called the coach, and I said, Coach, uh, you know, we'd like to play at six. And I've always been in the mindset that when you're a playoff team and you're the home team, you let, you let the visitors decide because they're the ones traveling. I mean, play at six, seven, eight, whatever, whatever he wants. I think that's the way to go. Well, Casey, Casey didn't have that point of view. He said, uh, Coach, we're going to play at seven. I said, well, Casey, that's a long trip for us. You know, i got to travel back home on a Tuesday night from Washington. I said, I'd like to play at six. He goes, nah, Coach, that's going to be tough for us to do. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, our baseball team has a game. And he said, uh, you know, those guys won't get through until about 6.30, so we're going to play at 7. Well, you know, I said to myself, I wasn't going to argue with him. I said, I said, well, you know what, I'm just going to go above it and I'll call the principal. So I called the principal, who happened to be, <laughs> about a couple of years later, happened to be the president of the LHSAA, uh, Mr. Geist. I forget his first name, but Mr. Geist was the, the, the uh, principal. So I called him and I pitched the same story. He goes, well, you know, Coach, I'm kind of between a rock and a hard place. I said, well, what do you mean? Same thing. So our baseball team, so I said, Mr. Guys, in all due respect, this is about a basketball game. I'm not sure what the baseball team has to do with this. We're traveling a long way. We, you, you're not going to be able to play at 6. No, Coach, we're going to have to that game at 7. So RP3, to say the least, I was uh, not a very happy camper at that point in time. And it, it kind of fired me up a little bit. And I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe I watched a couple of extra film game films a little bit. And so we went into there, and I'm telling you, I, I think it's the most prepared I've ever had a team go. And then I want to say storyline number two. We go to shoot early. We can't find a dressing room. Nobody's there to help us. The door was open. We got in. We couldn't find a dressing room. We finally found our kids, PE kids, said, yeah, it's in here. We go dress, and we, and we just do a little shoot-around. And, and Stephen Strong looks at the goal, and he goes, Coach, that goal there is not 10 feet. I'm like, what? He goes, Coach, look at how guys, they're like, these guys can't dunk. They're like, they got on the rim. They're about, I said, man, you know, now that you're standing at a desk, and I kind of looked back and forth, and it was, Raymond, it was one of those guys' uh, goals that it wasn't a, it's like an NBA goal. It wasn't attached to the building. It was just a freestanding, like, like I said, it's an NBA goal. And so, man, I'm like, all right. So uh, I called Mrs. Touchette on the way to the game. I said, hey, I need you to stop at Rose to get a tape measure. She goes, a tape measure? Yeah, just make sure it's 10 foot. <laughs> so she comes with a tape measure. We go and get a chair, and we put the thing up, and we measure, and it's like nine foot, ten and a half. So, so he's like, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to tell the referees. So sure enough, we get a, a crew from Baton Rouge. Who are, I happen to know a couple of the guys on that crew. And so, uh, so uh, they come in for pregame, and, uh, and like, you know, it's a packed gym. And people are, and so I tell them, I said, uh, hey, I got a little problem. So what's that, Coach? He said, that goal ain't ten foot. He goes, well, how do you know that? I said, well, I measured it. She goes, well, you got the tape measured? I'm like, yeah. So I, I, can't, I can't describe, the, the, you know, 
people are just, you know, talk like, what is going on here? What they measure the goals? And so uh, Casey, the, the coach, is coming to me, what do you want us to do? And I'm like, well, if this ain't 19 foot, I ain't playing on it. I mean, it's got to be regulation. So the, every, the, the gym's above, everything's going on. So, so the ref comes to me and he, he, he measures it. He goes, man, coach, it's close. I said, yeah, Izzy, it's close, but it ain't 10. He goes, what are we going to do? I said, look, I tell you what, I, I made my point. We will play the game. He goes, that's what I wanted to hear. So we wind up playing the game. And, and as ironic as this is, uh, we, we were up by one. They call a timeout. Just their ball under that basket that's, that's nine foot, ten inches, right? They end on the ball. Xavier Blackburn steals the ball. And, and, he, and he's really, I'm serious. I don't think he dunked it all day that year, maybe once. Ironically, he dunks it on the goal. That's not 10 foot. I mean, we are ahead by one, but we, you know, we want to put an exclamation point. We want to win in by three. And, again, that, that 32-game win streak was broken. It was just, it was just one of those exorbitant that you'll never, as a coach, forget because you feel like, man, you went in there and stole one. And I had to get my point across. The principal happened to be at midcourt, and he was making sure that their, their, their fans and their baseball team would not come across and have any kind of you know, uh, distraction or a fight or something like that. And I couldn't help myself. I can't exactly repeat what I said, but basically I said, Mr. Geis, sir, you should have played at six. And, and <laughs> <laughs> he, he wasn't really excited about, about that. But I always say this. They did get the last laugh because when they sent the check, to, <laughs> you know, you're, you're supposed to split that in half. I think we got about a tenth of the share of the game <laughs> <of the laughs> that night. <laughs> So I guess he got the last laugh and that we didn't get our full payment, but hey, you know what? We moved on, and, and uh, that was one of the greatest games, and I'll never forget it again. It kind of had those two storylines to it that made, made the game even more interesting, and uh, it's one that was very, very enjoyable, to say the least. What did it mean to you in 2013 to get that second championship? You had waited so long to get it. You had immense yeah. amount of success. You sent kids to college. You won a ton of games. But you were unable. You were never able to get that second title. What did that mean to you from that 2013 championship run, Coach? It, it was. It was a very. It was a very special season. Uh, a, a really one that. Uh, when I look back at the, at the at the team I had, that that was a team that was so special in so many ways. In that, um, I, it's kind of one RP3 that you look back and you, you say, "Man, I had all the pieces. I had a little point guard that was tough as nails." He wasn't a great scorer, but he could score when he had to. But boy, he was just—he was just a tough little son of a gun. And and I had the center that uh, that was just—he uh, was a man. I and mean, he wasn't big; he was like six three, but he was just a man. We had uh, a shooter, a pure shooter, you know. And then we had the, the two-time uh, Gatorade Player of the Year on that team. So all the pieces that we needed were, were on that team, you know. And uh, you know, we, we were very fortunate. We're down seventeen to St. Aug at home and you know again i tell people it is very difficult to overcome a 17 point halftime deficit to a to a bad team much less a good team like they were you know they uh rpc think about this they had they had two guys on that roster named craig victor who i think he started for lsu especially i'm not sure but he, he definitely started stopping me at lsu and and uh oh my goodness come on the kid that played for uh, bryce washington who had a great career at, at, here at UL? A US, yeah, UL. I mean, he scored. I mean, Bryce had a great career, out of, over a thousand points, you know. And uh, and uh, he, uh, so we playing against us. What, I think Victor's six eight, maybe six nine, and Bryce is a good, solid six six, you know. And I got Charlie Pageant, who's six foot three, battling all night long. But we, I thought I mean, we had, a, you know, again, you got, against a team like that, you got to have a game plan going in. Obviously, the game plan wasn't working. We were down 17, but we stuck to the game plan. We kept, we took those two guys out of the game and said, hey, the guards are going to have to beat us. And fortunately for, for us, I think the guards, they hit shots at the beginning. I think the odds started catching up with them, and they, and they, they got back to what they were normally doing. And, you know, they missed, they missed a couple of ill-advised, I thought, three-point shots towards the end of the game. That allowed us to kind of get back in, and you know we won that in double overtime. And then actually that was the hardest game we had. We went to the playoffs, and, and at the top 28, we wound up beating Northside for the championship. So, but yeah, it was definitely we had some special moments along the way with that team. But you know, it's something that you know again every coach you know you you 
you, you, you strive to, you know, you want to, you want to end up the season on a winning note and win a state championship. And so that second was really, really special for me. It's, it's a team that I'll never forget that, you know, gave us their all every game and never gave up. And, um, again, kind of, kind of lucky to get past that game, but, you know, I always say to win a state championship, I think you got to have a lot of, you know, things have to go your way and you got to have some luck involved. Even in our last four we've had, we've had some, some, some luck involved. You know, kid misses, misses, uh, uh, two two shots with uh, what, 1.2 seconds to go in the game. He missed it. He makes any one of those two. We're we're, we're done. We don't win four in a row. So you gotta have some luck. And that was a situation there where we really got a little bit of luck in that game uh, for us to you know to win that one just even to get to the top 28. So yeah, it, it's uh it was certainly a great year for us and one that I'll always remember. What was the energy like in that state championship game playing against a team from your own city? Oh man, that was tough because you know we had, we had beaten them twice in a row. You know. We beat them, and you know, you know, like everybody says, boy, it's tough to beat somebody three times, and and it really was, you know. And I just, I just sold our guys to the fact that, hey, look, you know, to win a state championship, we're gonna have to beat them three, and we beat them twice. So, you know, what, why, why not, why not, why is everybody saying it's hard to beat them three? I mean, we've done it twice, we just gotta do it again, you know. But, but it was tough. We were so familiar with each other. Uh, you know, Devin was a good coach. You know, he he did some good things. As a matter of fact, you know, I knew that was going to happen. I knew that he figured he had to do something different, and. Man, he came up with a little, really a great, a, great, a great game plan in the fact that uh, he didn't play us, man. He didn't play us a boxing one, which we're kind of, kind of prepared for, to be honest with you. But, but he kind of fooled us, and he went to a zone, but the zone was designed to, to double-team Trey wherever he went and to take Trey out of the game. So every time Trey got it, so we struggled with it at half, till half, and then at half, uh, just kind of made one adjustment. It's kind of funny how I remember – uh, a guy named Rodney Ledoux, who coached at Brobridge for years, uh, and Ricky, you know, Ricky really leaned on Rodney Ledoux and Jack Dale DeLome. We, we were all, you know, all three of those guys. I talked to him a lot about basketball. And I always remember Mr. Ledoux saying, uh, for one, three, one, whatever, sometimes you got to put your best player in the high post and let him work out from there. And that kind of hit me going into the dressing room, like, man, we got to do something here. And so we made that one little adjustment of putting Trey in the high post. And so guess what? Where was the double team going to come from? Because we had him on the wing. It was easy. They knew, you know, he was a wing and guard, so they knew what to do. But when we put him in a high post, it, it changed how they had to double team him. <laughs> Excuse me. And sure enough, it left it left it left Matt Roberts open on the wing, and uh, and he was our pure shooter. And so, man, we get to trade. And wouldn't you know it? We got like a two point lead. He hits two back to back threes, and so we didn't even go up by eight. And then guess what? Now, you know, they had to come get us. And you know, a lot of people talk about my four to score. They don't like the holding the ball, but, but I do whatever. I'm the old hard man was to play to win the game. And so we went, to, we spread them out, went to that fourth score. And to be honest with you, the game was over at that point because now they had to be honest and guard us up straight up. And we really were a little bit better off, you know, five. Our five were a little bit better than their first five. So, uh, you know, it took them out of what they, what they were doing, having success with, and had to come guard us. And, you know, the, the game at that point was over. We wanted to win it by like, I think we wanted to win that game by nine points. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, again, a special memory and uh, uh, a team that just did everything they had to do to, to, to be able to win it. You know, Coach, you're in an interesting – I think you can give interesting perspective here on this because you've won four straight state championships now, and this occurred after the split here in yes. the state. But yet yes. you are, on the same hand, one of the most vocal people against the split you wish it yeah. didn't exist you wish we would be able to come back together you know a lot of people i've been asked they're like well you know coaches won these additional state championships since the split and i go look coach is a competitor he m would much rather play the best public schools in the playoffs as well it, for a coach a longtime coach like yourself talk about the split why does it bother yeah. you so much and do you think we can get to the point where we can come back together well, yeah, great questions. Uh, you know, and, and, and the irony of the split is that what's crazy is that the second year of the split, you know, Karen Crow's in our district, right? We play Karen Crow, Northside, Westgate, North, uh, Turling. So they're in our district, so we play them home and away like you do everything else. We, we beat them here pretty silently. Beating at their place, uh, you know, I don't know, it's pretty close. but we beat, So we swept Karen Crow, and what did they? That year they go on in the Class 4A, which we were in, and, you know, I think it was the first time it happened where the teams from the same district we're two state champions. So Karen Crow wins the 4A public school. We win the Division II uh, uh, select school division. And so, you know, I kind of say, like, well, look, y'all, I mean, we're the same. they won the public school. We beat them twice. So, I mean, I you know, feel like 
that year we would have won it, you know, no matter what, whether it was together or not. So, and I mean, you know, you, you kind of got a basis to, you know, it's not far fetched, so to speak, why right? you have some kind of evidence proof to say you could have done that. And then look, this year, I mean, people can say what they want, but I think people that know the game of basketball, they, 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 they'd be the first to admit that uh, this year's team was, uh, we, look, we beat Madison Prep, who arguably was the best team in the state. They were only class 3A, but again, Madison Prep's, you know, they're built for basketball. They they got some great great athletes and a good coach, and we beat them at you know in a neutral site by seven points. You know and and and, and uh, really pretty much dominated that game from the second half. So you know I feel like this was the year that that RP three we would have we would have won any classification five a. You know uh, the team that we beat in the finals pretty pretty sound the eighteen points I think were twenty points. They beat the class five a public school state champion Zachary U high last year. Beat Zachary, they beat Jehovah Jireh, uh, who was another state champion, and they beat Dunham. They beat three state champions this, this past year, and so you know Zachary was a five-day public school, and, we, and again, UI beat them, and we handled UI. So I, I'm just making comparisons, whatever. But this year's team uh, would have won in any classification. So I really feel like of the four, you know, two we would have earned even if we'd have been all together. You know, so it's a shame it's, it's come to this and happened because. Uh, you know, yeah, it, it is a little watered down in the playoffs. I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit that. There's no doubt about it. I think the final four are really solid teams, you know. But to, to say we're ever going to get back together, I, I just don't see it happening in the fact that, you know, the principals who voted this in, they, you know, they looked at it as, and, and look, I went to public school my whole life. I went to vote. I was, a, you know, I got nothing against public schools. I, you know, that's why I went. And, and I kind of understand both sides of it. But when it's all said and done and you want to talk about an equal playing field, I mean, I mean, <laughs> look, we have a good program. We, we get kids from different places because I think they want to be part of a winning program. Their, their parents want them to see succeed. Their parents want a great education for them. So we're going to attract kids. And I, I've, been, I've been on record before this, and I'll say it again. If you can find any, bring in any parent that you can find, any parent, that their, their kids play for me. And if they tell you that I recruited that kid, they would, they would not be, they would not be accurate, and, and nobody. I mean, I, I mean, I've said it many times, and there's nobody that's going to come forward because there is nobody out there. I, I'm not recruiting kids. I don't do it. Uh, I, and again, I'm not going to apologize for attracting the CCs. Who, you know, his mother call, called me one year when he was in eighth grade and said, "Coach, I went to Catholic school. I was going to Catholic school." Hey, I mean, wait, I, I get that. I understand that. And there's two Catholic schools, us and Turley. He chose us, you know. And, and so, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, but, but again, going back to Man, there's a lot of public schools who have the same kind of deal where they're, they've got a great program and kids want to go play football or baseball there. And so they attract kids, too, you know. And they, those kids are all, you know, now the way the zones are, they kind of say, well, you know, we, we relegate to this zone. No, they're not. No, they're not. They, they, they get kids from all over. So to, to say you can have an equal playing field, that's not possible. It's never going to happen, you know. But, but I mean, you know, Look at when you when you look at a program and you look at schools that had success, public, private. They have success because of a reason. They have they have good coaches. They work hard. The kids work hard. You know, and 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 they and they win. Whether it's public, private, it doesn't matter. When you have that situation where, you know, you, you, it's it's possible in any place to succeed. So I just like to see it back together again to where hey, let's play all the teams and you know let's let's play everybody in Louisiana. And let's see who the best is, you know. And so, but but to answer your question, I'll be three. I just I'm just not sure these. You know, you get a whole regime of new principals that come in and have a different mindset because you know Tommy Tommy Byler put a great proposal, and I thought that would kind of uh, in a way penalize us, saying, hey, they're selected, we're gonna have to move up a class, which I'm all for. That's that's fine. You know, let's move up and do do the the numbers that way. Do whatever we got to do to bring it back together. I got no issues with it. But um, I, I just don't I just don't see in the foreseeable future. Uh, you know, unless something drastic happens that it's ever going to get back together. I had this discussion with someone and it felt like the pandemic, I don't know, I think softened things with the, mm-hmm. the, the schism, right, between the, the leaders of the split and, and the people that would like to see it uh, go away, uh, like to see us all come back together. And it did feel that way, right, Coach? It felt like some bridges yeah. had been rebuilt, so to speak, because when the pandemic happens, it it kind of shook us to our core. We lost yeah. baseball. We lost softball. Football was impacted as well. And I, I don't know. It just felt that way. But I, I still don't know. I still have reservations that something will happen. I think 
the relationship is not as tenuous as it may have been, but I still think there's work to be done. Do you think while you're still coaching and, you know, you're still a, a young buck at this, so to speak, but do you think you're you're going to be coaching STM when the split is over? I sure hope so. I hope sooner than better. And and you do make a good valid point. And and in some ways, I did sense that as well as as you did that 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 COVID said, hey man, look, this is you know, look what's happening here. We're not playing at all, you know. Uh, and and so you know, and so maybe it took a different little turn. Maybe they saw things a little bit different. Whether it's whether it's enough of the people that were affected by it, I just don't know. And and yeah, I, I would I would hope so. I would hope so that that you know they they would wind up saying, hey, let's do this. And, you know, I think I think some of the things would be. I think this all got to where it is because of enforcement. You know, um, you know, I, I, uh, a kid. You have two kids move from out of state into the area. They knew that uh, the that there was a big booster who hired the, the dads to work there. I mean, when you have a situation like that, just just go and say, hey, hey guys, <laughs> you're offering this guy a job. That's why they're moving. Nope. They, they can move all over, but they're not going to be playing for such and such a high school, you know. And I think if the, if the LHSA would have done that, enforced the rules uh, that were there, and, you know, and then there's ways they, you know, they get good investigators. They can find out exactly how this went. I think, I think that it wouldn't have got to the point where we split. You know, I think that's what happened. I think, um, you know, some schools would just, uh, and again, you know, you just saw the ruling come down uh, on, on Catholic about Rouge. Uh, I think had they enforced the rules early on, maybe it wouldn't have got to this point. Let's talk about the options program because I, I just I'm amazed uh, by that. I am. It just fills my heart full of joy to see you doing that and to be able to write the story on your program. I just I was immensely impressed by it. Uh, tell the people that don't know that are listening uh, what the options program is at STM, how it came to be, and why yeah. is it just something that's so close to your own heart. You know they had they had that show. Um, I think it was called Radio or something, and and uh, and it was about about a, it was about a special needs kid that the coach, the coach took special interest in. And I'm like, man, I could do a movie called Radio Five because I, I have about five special needs kids. I'm, I'm I've been really close to it. Matter of fact, Alfonsi Ellis was was one of those that I was got really really close to. He passed away a couple of years ago, you know. But a lot, a lot of people around the state of Louisiana know who Alfonsi Ellis is. But but anyway, uh, yeah, our options program is so happened because we had a, we had a parent who had a Special needs kid, and he, he fortunately he was for us. He was he was pretty financially stable, and, and he, he kind of offered to help jumpstart it. You know, kind of you know pay to get it going, so to speak. And so, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what's going on. I'm sitting here thinking, "Well, we got an option. What is what's going on?" You know, we've I've been here for 30 years, never you know. And so all of a sudden, we see some special needs kids start coming into our school, kind of mainstreaming to some extent. Some sometimes still having their own little program, and we really had no space for them. We took a classroom kind of turned it into that, uh, an options room for them. Uh, and so, you know, I start thinking, man, you know, because if, you, if you're around these kids, I mean, man, they, they bring a smile to your face. And again, like I said, I've, I've had Alfonsi Ellis along with a couple of other special needs kids who, who have kind of been kind of part of our program. Uh, Jason Bro comes to mind. He, he calls me every day. As a matter of fact, he called me last night. He wanted to tell me uh, that he knows more news that happens before before I do, and he's still checking on Jack Bash and so anyway, so you know, so I've developed a special bond with these kids, and uh, so when this happened, I'm like, man, I wonder if there's a way to get me get him involved in playing basketball, you know? And I started thinking, so I went to our our director and said, hey, how about we bring like whoever is interested in playing, maybe I can just have, come to practice once a week, and you know, I like, just kind of be a part of the program. So the first year, it's really all they did was they just came and practiced, and then my mind started thinking, well, how about if I want to call the coach of the opposing team, we play a little. You know, a little short, little two-minute, three-minute, four-minute game with them, just to let them experience. You know, what our kids experience. You know, what our varsity players experience. Why not let them experience that same feeling? And so, man, sure enough, uh, uh, the first one I think was Brobridge High School. I called Brobridge and um, and and asked and said, "Hey, would you? You know, here's what I'm doing. Would you mind bringing a? You know, like put four or five JV kids and you know, just kind of let these kids have some success. You know, don't don't steal it from them. You know, let them shoot and stuff." And so the first time we did it, it it really went great. Uh, but RP three, the game two years ago, like it, it's it's went it's went viral, and it was it's like if you put a movie production together and you said, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna film this, and this was gonna happen, it it it, 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 it wouldn't be possible. It was, it was one of those nights where.
you know, and look, it was against Southside. Brad Boyd did a great job with his team. He, they even played into where, you know, the kid dribbled in front of him and the guy felt like he faked, like fell to the ground. I mean, the, the effects that they did were even, it made the game even more fun. But, you know, so, so my little guy kind of dribbles and the guy falls down and then he goes and he pulls up, which <laughs> usually let him go to the rim and, you know, she left. He pulls up on the free throw line, and I, when I'm telling you, he just nails the jump shot. And I'm like, oh, my God. And, and, it, and it's, it's not even better from there. And I really did have some really good shooters, you know, because they come to practice once a week. And, and you know, we, we were kind of shooting a little bit, you know, and they really had some good shooters. And when I'm telling you, that night it was a special shot. Now, we didn't make every shot, but I'm just telling you, man, we, I think like 60% of the shots went in. The crowd was going crazy. And, and I mean, you know, when you when you all, when you sit down and you look at what happened that night, you're like, damn, man! Like it's just as special as winning the state championship. It really is. It's, it, it, you just can't put into words how excited these kids were, how excited the fans were, how excited the other team was to see these kids experience some success. It was just a, a night that you know you, you you just never forget that kind of feeling you had to see the smiles, the high fives, you know. I had one of them. He was just hamming it up to the stage. But, you know, he was putting his hands up, just hamming it up. <laughs> you say, look, look at this is what it's all about right here, man, you know, his shining moment, you know. And, and for that night, it was it was their shining moment. And I'll be honest with you, uh, when, when I go back to the, you know, whatever, top five moments of all time, or ten, whatever, that, that options game is, 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 is the top of my list because it was incredible. And it's just, uh, it's just something that's just so rewarding. Uh, these kids give back, you know, they give to us way more than I could give to them, you know, just to, just to see them, uh, you know. And, I mean, you know, when, when I went to present them with the – this year I got, you know, I had the state championship replicas, you know, we go to present them and, man, to see them like they're just so proud, you know, like, you know, that, like they were part of that state championship. That's how they feel, you know, and that's kind of how we feel. Like it's kind of, they're part of our program now, you know. And, and so uh, when we have success, they, they do as well. So it's really, it's really a special deal. What's it like when you see your former players – go out there and they become uh, successful coaches like Brad Boyd and others? Yep, you can, you can start naming them all. Brad Boyd, Eric Mouton, Jason Fothery, Mike Bourgeois, John, John, uh, J.P. Bouillon, like Sacred Heart. Man, it just, it, 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 I'm just really proud of all these guys that, you know, some kind of way when they played for me, they, you know, I guess they said, hey, man, maybe I want to do this. There's sometimes as crazy as I am in practice and intense as I am and sometimes unforgiving you know, and, and, and some practices, I guess you'd leave it say that, but that was a brutal practice, you know, to, to, to see to, to see them, you know, I guess just look at that and say, man, there's something that I want to do one day, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really proud of, of, of those guys. And, and you know, uh, RP3, to be honest with you, when I look in the community and, and I really got, you know, I'm really proud of man. I, look, we got some successful people in our community that are successful businessmen that, you know, um, having an impact. They, they, these these former players are not having an impact on what's happening in, in, in our area in Acadiana and, and beyond, you know. And, and man, you know, when, it, when it's all said and done, that, that's kind of what it's really all about, you know, to, 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 to be able to do that and, and, and be a successful citizen in, in our community. And, and that's kind of what I pride myself in, in that, you know, I've had – and, look, hey, we haven't all been perfect. We haven't all been, you know, we've had, we've had a couple of – a couple of, I've had a couple of failures in, in some of my young men, but, uh, you know, but a uh, big, big percentage have been – you know, really turned out to be some, some great, great role models. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm as proud of that as I am of the six-day championship for, for sure. Your energy, okay? I, I just, I've never met someone in my entire life that has your type of just spastic energy. You never yeah. slow down, whether it's during an interview, whether it's during a game, whether it's the post game, whether it's you're trying to have us eat snacks during a post game <laughs> situation, whether it's out there by your pool. You never slow down. What does it take to slow down, Danny Broussard? <laughs> my friend. One of my guys that I coached with way back in the 80s, when, when I won a well, Bay Blue State Championship coach in Abbeville, guys, Tommy Peacock, he's, he's a legendary coach at Vermeer Parish. And when he'll hear this interview, he's going to text me and he's going to say, slow down. And I'm going to text back, I can't. <laughs> it's just not me, man. I just can't do it. It's, uh, it, 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 uh, it's just God gave me the ability to, to just keep plugging away and keep going. And, and uh, yeah, I, <laughs> it's funny, but I just, just – I can't explain it. I can't explain it. It's the energy I have. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'm a little too too energetic, too emotional. You know, I got myself in trouble with that a few times. No, you don't mean that. 
referees a few times, but I, I actually have calmed down a lot uh, on that respect. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of the last oh, in the last five years. I've gotten uh, like three technical fouls in the last five years, whereas I used to get three, I got three in some game, one game. So uh, I, I, <laughs> I remember. I, I really, yeah, I'm really proud of myself for for uh, for kind of you know learning to adjust a little bit, you know, and saying hey, it's you know, give them some time. It's just they just do the best they can. So it took me a while to realize that, but I, I finally come to that conclusion. But uh, yeah, no, I just I don't I don't know what to tell you in the fact that it's just God given. <laughs> and uh, if you please don't take this as an insult, I, I'll I'll pray for your wife because she's a very understanding and patient woman. Yeah. Yes. 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 She 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 deserves she deserves some kind of trophy, medal, whatever you want to call it. But she, yeah, you know, and 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 RP, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, man, listen, you know, when you look back, and and I got a family, I got two daughters and a son, you know, and uh, and 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 a man. I don't know many families that like. So my daughters, you know, they they marry, they have kids, and like you know, you now one of my daughters had a, had a, her husband actually was doing some coaching with with Brad, so like she couldn't come to all the games. But regardless, when they were off one night, who do you look back in the stands and see? But my little grandson and my my two daughters who are married and their and their husbands, you know, and and my son and my son and his well now wife now she was his fiance he just got married, you know, to see them all in the stands supporting me and my wife always. I mean, through thick and thin, she's always been there. She, uh, RP, she's probably been to, you know, I guess I get the percentage, even not, you know, like when we go out of town. I mean, she's probably been to eighty percent of my games in my career. You know, she's, and you know, I asked her the other day. We watching, we were watching a little AAU game this weekend, and and I had, I was just sitting there watching our players, and I, that's the worst when you got to sit and watch and you can't coach. And and I asked her, I said, man, how how did how have you how have you been, you know, sitting in the stands all these times and just, you know. And just having to, whoo, man, hold on to your seat and, you know, see the ups and downs. How do you do it? And she goes, I don't know. I just I just keep pulling for you. That's all I do. Just keep cheering them on. And that's exactly what she does, you know. So, yeah, I've been really blessed with an unbelievable family that, uh, again, has supported me and been there for me. And you, can't, you couldn't have done it without them. And, and, and almost to the fact that, you know, I look back and I say, man, um, you know, maybe spent too much attention uh, into, to, the, to, to the St. Thomas Moore and, and, and not just basketball, but other programs. You know, I'm kind of one of those guys that try to go support everything, you know, and I go to all the sporting events and try to catch the couple of everybody's sports. And so poured out a lot to that. It's taken, it's kind of drained a little bit from my family, and, I, and, and it's one of the regrets I have is not uh, spending a little bit more time with my with my kids when they were growing up. And, and then, you know, you can't go back now. But RP3, I'll tell you this, though. I'm not making that same mistake with my grandkids. I guarantee you. I'm, I'm really enjoying those two cats. They uh, got one that's two years old. Uh, Mills is two years old. And Henry's only eight months. But uh, they were both at the house last night. They come over. They go swimming. I, I really am enjoying it. I'm, I'm not going to make the same mistake with my kids, with my grandkids. So, again, you know, live and learn as you go. It's taking me a long time to, to get this through my hard head. But uh, I, I have, uh, you know, finally realized that the family is uh, – you know, it should be the most important thing, and uh, kind of put that as a priority uh, as I as I get a little older. How many more years are you going to do this, bud? Uh, let's see. I'd say maybe you know I said ten for the last four, three or four years. I said so maybe so I should cut back and say like seven, seven, seven or eight more. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. Uh, Forty years does I, have a nice ring to it, though, Coach. That'd only be two what, more what, seasons, what bud. Has a nice ring? Forty what has seasons. A nice ring? Forty seasons has a nice oh. ring to it now. I don't know. I mean, seriously, I, I just take it a, at this point in time. I kind of just take it a year at a time and say, hey, you know. But I'm, I'm really, I, I really could see myself another seven, eight, nine, ten years because I'm just loving it. Uh, you know, it's what I do. And so uh, I don't know. But three years from now, I might say, you know what, man, I got enough, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna hit the, uh, the, uh, the, the roadways and start traveling a little. I always want to do that. I love to travel. Don't get a chance to go much. You know, I'm going to the beach in a couple of weeks and can't wait for that. So. But uh, but anyway, yeah, we'll see. Time will tell, but it's definitely a year-by-year basis, and I'm kind of looking at five, six, seven, something like that. Well, bud, you keep doing it as long as you want to because you obviously love it and you love coaching. You love giving guidance to these young men. And you know what? I, I wouldn't uh, be wanting to retire anytime soon either after winning four straight state championships. You're just now hitting your stride, bud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that, that maybe, maybe so. I'm You're a late bloomer, coach. You're just a late bloomer, though. <laughs> I am a late bloomer. That's exactly right.
enjoy your summer and try to take some time off. Try to relax, you know, just lay in the sun, read a book, yeah. you know, have a margarita, you know, whatever it yeah. is, just to, just to, just to unwind a little bit, bud. Man, man, listen, that's the only place in the world I can go to is a beach where I can kind of sit down and just kind of enjoy myself and just relax a little bit. And that's, that's why I love going to the beach because I don't know what it, I don't know if it's the sand, the sun, the water. I'm not sure anything else around it, but it is a place I can kind of go and relax, believe it or not. So I'm looking forward to my, my trip to the beach in, uh, in, in a couple of weeks. I, I definitely am looking forward to that. And by the way, uh, Andrew Lopez, Jarrett Rozier, and I are still waiting on that invite for the uh, Danny Broussard Backyard Pool oh, Party. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, oh, I'm just trying to get a date. Like we, can you imagine between y'all three well, just to get a, a, a Saturday or a Sunday date? It's, you know, it's like next to impossible. You know, I, got, I got this. I got that interview. I got that. I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll figure But we are going to figure it out, and it is going to be – it will be an epic day. <laughs> it, will be, it will be epic. I can promise you. Appreciate your time, as always, brother. Thank you so much. You bet, RP3. Nice talking to you. Bye-bye. That's the STM coaching legend himself, Danny Broussard. Six state championships, 16 Final Four appearances. He's won only 1,053 games. That's top 10 nationally for high school boys basketball. One of the greatest coaches the state has ever produced, and the man has no desire whatsoever of slowing down anytime soon. And you know what? I don't blame him. I wouldn't blame you if you wanted to check out more episodes of the Rap Game Podcast. Plug, plug there. <laughs> Look, if you want to check out any previous episodes, just go to 1037thegame.com, go to the Rap Game Podcast tab, and click there, and you'll see all the previous episodes of the podcast. They're free for you to listen to, so go enjoy at your convenience. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Rap Game Podcast. Thanks again to Danny Broussard for joining me. Until next time, y'all be safe out there, be kind to one another, and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>